Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news, along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back again to Police Pod Talk. I've got a special guest with me today. I've got Spencer Alexander. Spencer, you can say hello to the people out there. Hello, my people. <laughs> All right. Spencer's here today to talk about something that happened way back in 2006. Spencer's brother, uh, Latonia, is that right? Correct. Latonia Anthony Alexander is his brother. Uh, came up missing back in De- on December 1st of 2006. And at this time, they still have no information. Am I, am I right, Spencer? That's correct. On what happened, where he's at, or anyone's ever reached out to you to say, hey, um, I've got information on, on uh, your brother. So what we're going to do today, I'm going to let Spencer talk. Spencer's going to paint the picture for anybody listening out there. And we hope that somebody remembers something that could spark a memory to bring an end to this. Uh, go ahead, Spencer. Uh, you got the mic. Okay, I'd like to start out by saying um, me and my brother was very close and very well known. Uh, construction work back in the day. We worked for Leo Builders. What's strange is when all my brother was doing what he was doing when he was in those streets, a lot of people used to come to me and they would be trying to tell me what my brother was doing in those streets. And I used to tell them, you know, Go tell that to my brother because I didn't want to hear it. So as time went by, these some of these same people, I would see them after he's been missing, and I would try to start the conversation, and a lot of time the people would, like, pretty much ignore me. So it gave me a feeling that something's out there and somebody's knows something, especially the way, you know, he gets around. He's not going to be missing because too many people know him, and he's all over the place. So that was kind of strange for me. So, like I say, um... It was just strange, you know, trying to ask people if they seen my brothers and nobody wanted to talk. He was missing, like you said, around December the 1st, 2006. But he was really missing last by the family. Uh, My mom, like December the 10th of the 6th, 2006, December the 10th. He went to church with my mom and Papa Albert. And he also talked to her later that day. And that was the last time my mom seen her son and talked to him. He went to church that day, and she talked to him later on that evening. When Tony left the house, his keys in his wallet was there. So I'm thinking it had to be somebody that possibly knew him because um, he, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have left his, his personal belongings there like that. He's a street person, you know, but he's also a good guy as far as um, a handyman and construction work and stuff like that. We did a lot of stuff for people. We worked together real good. He knew a lot of people. And I really want to um, say this, but I hate to say it, but there's some people in the family, and I always thought, you know, several members in the family because a lot of them was attached with him and some of the things that they was doing out there and, you know, from being, you know, together with each other and whatever, whatever they was doing. Some, I think some of them might know something, but they haven't, you know, came to the front yet. But I think there's somebody in the family that might know something also. So, Spencer... When we're talking about your brother being missing, start on that day. I mean, what was the last conversation you all had, and where was he missing from? 
Well, that's what I'm saying. When he, he was missing from his house on Embassy Street, off of Embassy and Anthony. When he left, he left his keys in his wallet. My last, I, I have dreams about this. I'm always asking myself, when did you and your brother part? Because we were so close. And I saw these dreams over and over again, like, I'm asking the dream, where's my brother and when did we part? The last good conversation I remember having with my brother, he had did something out west. Um, there was some furniture patio on, on the back of somebody's house. Tony took the furniture, uh, furniture from the house. Just so happened, a person saw him taking it, and they jumped in their vehicle to, to pursue him. So that next day, I, I did get to talk to him, and he brought that incident up. And not only that, he was trying to redisguise the truck because he knew the guy or whoever was pursuing him possibly had his license plates. So he was trying to take some stuff off the truck that, you know, wouldn't be recognized and that kind of stuff. So that's, that's one of the incidents that, that I can remember the last time talking to him. And that would have to be the last time. And the time before that, he was at an apartment, what they call um. Well, it's, it was back in the day, it's called Greenfield Square. That's where we grew up back in the day. And it's Rock City or Rainbow Terrace or whatever it's called. But he was over there, and he had the substance with him. And he told me, if anybody ever offer you this, they're not your friend. And that day I knew my brother had a problem because I was hearing it in the streets, but he told me, and I saw it too. So that day I knew for myself, okay, now I know, and now I know it's real. And as from that point on, you know, it was just always stories. Tony did this, Tony did that. And I would get some of the stories. And like I said, a lot of times um, I try to think, when did I get these stories? For, ex for example, I heard that there was a murder in Decatur. Tony was with the person that was a part of that murder, but per se, he didn't have nothing to do with it, but he left with that person. Now, I, I can't even reflect where I got that information, but that's what I had, and I tried to pursue it, never found out nothing out. Then there was a second incident, something about he was supposedly down in Oklahoma, and they had him locked up, and Fort Wayne PD was called. He was supposed to be released in a year or so, and they, wouldn't, they didn't come and get him, so they released him. And I went through the Fort Wayne Police Department, especially some people that I knew on the force. Nothing ever panned out with either one of those stories. I couldn't prove that they was true or even get somebody to say that, yeah, he was, e he was even down in Oklahoma somewhere. So, and then again, like I said, I wish I could know where I got these stories from, but those are two of the main stories. And then the one I told you when we was off mic about, I Googled with him. The address came up out at Show Park. I didn't have the time to sit out there, and I wanted to play like detective. I wanted to sit there and watch and see who come out this house, but, you know, going to work and having your own life to deal with, it's almost impossible for me to do it, but I wish I could have done it. Did you pass any of the information on to the police department? Yes, I did. Like I said, I tried to talk to them about the Oklahoma thing, and they, they are like they couldn't bear, clarify or verify it either. So I'm like, y'all the police, though. No. And this is all after he ended up in, in December when he came up missing. This all is these all stories after. start popping up about him. Yes. But and I this this is a this is not a story, this one. I was at the library on uh, Pontiac Branch Library off of Creighton. And um I ran into a, a cousin of mine, Guy Faulkner. And Guy, we got to talking, you know, reminiscing and stuff, and Tony came up and Guy said to me, Your brother and my brother his brother's name uh, Dante, and he's like, your brother and my brother been doing some stuff. It ain't no good, good stuff. And I told my brother not to kill your brother. 
Now, I don't know if he did it or not, cuz, but I know they had some problems where that could have happened. And I'm just telling you, I told my brother not to kill your brother. And that was at the library. And I appreciate him saying that to me because I know I knew of Dante and I knew what kind of person he is. He's not a very nice person. Okay. Now, I know someone listening is probably saying to themselves, you've been talking about your brother. You've been talking about your brother's past and some of the things he's been involved in. You haven't been actually saying what it is. You've been kind of beating around the bush. But putting two and two together, you could think, someone listening could think, okay, your brother was, you know, around a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of people that could cause a lot of damage to someone. Could your brother have been involved in something where somebody decided, hey, I think we need to take him out? Most definitely. Okay. Now, when I say that, I'm talking about, you know, in case there is somebody listening saying, okay, what are you still talking about? Are we talking about possible drug dealing? Yes. Are we talking about uh, uh, selling stolen property? Yes. Okay. I- I'm saying these things. I'm not sure. You tell You tell me. Okay. I- 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 I'll do this. I'll give you a kind of rundown. Substance abuse, yes. Thiefery, yes. Um, dealing, I don't think so much dealing, but he was around a lot of it where he would maybe steal it and then maybe do something with it. But there's been some incidents where to give you an idea of what he would do mm-hmm. and what he did do. We had a good friend in the family. We do siding. Me and my brother used to do siding. We used to work for Leo Builders. Right. They wanted their house siding. And these are good friends in the family. They bought the material, paid Tony the money, and they went on vacation. Well, Tony took the material back and got the money for the material and didn't do the house. And the husband, you know, this guy is not no jokey, jokey guy. You know, I'm not saying he would do something to Tony, but I'm not saying he wouldn't. You know, this is a grown man, you know. And at that age we was, this man was probably, you know, maybe 10, 15 years older than us. So, right. you know, he ain't trying to hear that. But incidents like that, I used to run into people, yo, like women, yo, brother, there's a bomb. He did this to me. He did that to me and this kind of stuff. But, yeah, um, the drugs got him. The drugs got him. The, the drugs took him away to where he was doing stuff that I never thought he would do. Mm-hmm. Thiefing, robbery, probably uh, far as Killing somebody, I don't think he. I don't think he would do that. But if if something was to happen, I, I think if he was finding himself in that position, it probably could have happened. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact that he was dealing with some Mexicans too. Okay. Okay. In spite of all of that, we still don't know where he's at. Nope. So from 2006, the police report was filed of a missing person, right? His wife filed a missing person report 2007 of January. In 2007. His wife name okay. is Cindy. So, so about a month later, close to a month, because it was December. Yeah. 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 About a month later, she finally decided to file it. Yeah. And they took the report. Yes, they did. And what did they start telling you guys? Well, I just talked to her prior to coming on here. Mm-hmm. Nothing. No feedback. Even like when I started searching in and, and calling down there, they, I mean, I'm asking them, you know, what do you guys do that I can be doing too? And they had nothing for me. So the starting point was from his house. I mean, that, that's where they would have started looking, moving out from there. That's but where he, he left, from his house. And he left all of his personal belongings. Keys and wallet on the table. So even there. And so his no, vehicle was there, too. Right. So no charge cards would have been used. His vehicle wasn't stopped anywhere or found on the side of the road. There was nothing leading to where he could possibly be. Nothing. He, no clue on who he may have spoken to the night before or that day. Because Okay, oh, let me back that up. What time 
did he leave? I mean, did he leave in the morning and evening? You said he talked to your mom on the 10th, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're all the way to the 10th. We first started December 1st. Now we're at December 10th was the last time anybody had any contact with him. Well, he had to leave that morning because I know Cindy, she had she had already left for work. So he had to leave that morning. And then this is what I'm saying. He It's so hard to piece the, the beginning together because... He, he didn't stay at home like that. He might be gone for a couple of days and all that kind of stuff. And my mom, he would try to at least stop in and, you know, see my mom. But he knew there was a time when, like I said, the Mexicans, they got the phone number somehow, left a message. when we had the message machines. Tony, man, we don't know why you do that, man. We know where your mom stay, man. Why you, why you do that, man? And then there was a car sitting out in front of my mom's house for about two weeks. Did you ever see who was in it? No. Kind of, well, I wasn't living there then when this was happening. So, okay. But I heard about the incident of the car okay. sitting out in front of the house. It, it was so bad that my mom left and stayed with my sister not too far for like two weeks. So obviously they were looking for him, not... not. I think he had more than maybe one person looking for him. I don't think okay. it was just no one person after right. Tony. Because right. I should tell him, you know, every good dog has a day. And he always thought he was the better dog. And like I told him, you know, it's going to be a matter of time where, you know, you're not going to be the baddest dog. Mm -hmm. And everybody's not going to play by the game right. or go by the rules, right. you know. And right. ain't no rules in the streets. Yeah, right. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Again, we know his past. But the most important thing is he's missing. Exactly. I mean, regardless, everybody has a past. Mm -hmm. But what we want to know is on December, sometime between December 1st and December 10th, he obviously left from somewhere, either walking, got picked up, got, you know, somewhere on a plane, train, a bus or something. Give me a description of him. Uh, he's dark skinned. It. He's probably about maybe 6'2". He used to be kind of muscular built, but in his last days, he picked up some weight. Scars, marks, tattoos, or anything? Not that I can say on the body, but he used to wear the dreadlock hairstyle for a while. Hairstyle did change a little bit from the dreads to nappy. He got so bad to where I saw him sometime, and it seemed like he was really in the streets. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, I know it didn't have to be like that, but like I say, it's a time where he stayed away from the house so long, you know. Give me some, uh, let's give the listener maybe a favorite place he liked to go to. Where did he hang out at? Uh, did he go out of town? Where he would go? That's, see, that, that's the part. He could probably be anywhere. Yeah. He'd be all over the place. Um, not no favorite bar or nothing like that because I don't, I don't think he would ever put himself nowhere where he could be found like that. So it wouldn't be no favorite places for Tony. It'd be Tony all over the place. Or you might see Tony here or you might see Tony there. Tony Alexander made a name for himself. And Spencer Alexander was his brother. If y'all know of him, you're going to know that we was involved real early with the reggae stuff. Okay? That Rastafari and Bob Marley and all of that. Tony went to Jamaica. He came back. And he had that beret on. He put the, the extension in his head. So he was really with the black power. And as time went on, he got introduced to that substance through a couple of people. And then he, he just, he vanished from the person that I used to know. And I used to try to keep up with him. Like I said, I saw that dream all the time. When did we ever part? So he um, played football for Snyder High School. And a lot of the people, and that's why I brought this picture because I wanted to remember this. Shelby Board, Carl Woods. 
uh, Frank Weems, me, myself, Spencer Alexander. These are names that people know in the community because we was all, you know, like kind of popular back then, you know, whether we played football or, you know, we'd be at the dance party. Back then, that was when they had the house parties. And we would, you know, show up at all the house parties and be, you know, like the ones. You know, we fixed up the 67. We had a 67 Green Impala that we redid. So they would definitely remember that because we were booming the reggae. And that was the whole thing. I think that um, when we got involved with that reggae, a lot of people got jealous of us. And I think they really wanted to take us down. And me, you know, I'm still standing strong. My brother, per se, didn't. And I think a lot of people was jealous behind us and was trying to get him out. And then once he did get on that stuff, it, it's just been a whole new different person. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of people couldn't believe that Tony was doing what Tony was doing because he wasn't that type of guy. Right. Yeah. You told me he went by a nickname just in case he's still going by that. What was that? His nickname is T.A. Rainbow. And he got that name playing for Snyder High School football team. And a lot of people know him by that name. A lot of people, um, I was on Facebook one time and a guy, um, I had posted a picture of him. This is a guy younger than me. He hit back. I remember T.A. Rainbow. He was a real good guy. And it took me a while to understand it because I used to, um, I used to look at my brother as a crackhead. And I was down in Georgia. And I called Cindy, his wife, and I said, Cindy, I am so sorry for the way I've been looking at my brother, even though he is having a problem, but it's not the problem, it's still my brother. And that's when I really woke up and I wanted to really start trying to find out where my brother is and where, what happened. Pretty, just pretty much closer. I, I don't really need to know what's happened. I just like to know where he is, mm-hmm. you know, definitely for my mom. My mom got only brother missing, Uncle Charles. And Uncle Charles been missing since I was young, maybe like 11, 12. So now she got a son missing and her only brother missing. And she just had a birthday yesterday. Hopefully with the grace of God, you know, she can have some closure before she leaves. Because that's, that's the bottom line with all of this. I'm not saying my brother didn't do some of the stuff that he did because of that stuff. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is this guy was a good guy before all of that. And that's the reason why he the way he is. And a substance. Like my mom told my two sisters, just because y'all not addicted to something, that don't mean y'all better than him because y'all don't even act like sisters. And that stuck with me. I always remember that, you know. Y'all always want to push a man down based on something that took, took control of that man. That's, that's not him anymore. That's the substance of Bruce. Like I said, when I was down in Georgia, it just hit me. Man, that's still your brother. You know, because I, I, I separated myself. I was hurt, very hurt. I didn't, I, I didn't have answers. And I wanted answers, and I was trying to find out. And it seemed like nobody cared. Even at the family, my brother said, we need to make a video and you know of this. And I was like, that's a great idea, but it never happened. You know, the family make a video and we all say what we say. Just like before coming on this show, I called a couple of my brothers and sisters. I didn't call all of them, but I did call two of them. I said, look, I'm going on a podcast. And if um, there's anything you like me to mention or anything you last knew or seen or heard of, I got no calls back. My thing is this. I pray that um, somebody... No, because we just being back then, this is like we started listening to that reggae back in 81. You know, and that was not popular back then. And then when he went to Jamaica and came back with that beret and the black gi on, he used to work for Sollywood. 
That's another thing, very important. He worked for Sollywood and made a name for himself there. They, they loved him. I had, we had got an album, Burning Spear, and that's how we got introduced to reggae. Didn't nobody give it to us. We was at Kmart South, and we saw the album with my mom, and we bought it. So I took that Burning Spear reggae music and taped it with all this other stuff that I was listening to, like um, the Rolling Stones and all that stuff. I was listening to white music, black music. I was into music like that. So then when I taped that in there, he took it to Sollywood. And one of the guys there, one of, one of his co-workers, a white guy, heard that reggae and gave us Barb Marley albums. A Barb Marley Exodus and Survival. And that's when we had to Impala. Somebody stole those two albums out the car. So we had to go buy them albums and we bought double sets. And we kept two for ourselves. And, and after I heard Waiting in Vain, that was it. Me and my brother, we, we grew so close that we had a plan that we was going to have the family business so we all could eat and it, w- it was working till he got on that stuff and then you know it just seemed like some of the other people in the family they started following right along with that type of thing too whether they were selling it or using it it just seemed like that thing just came in and took over our community i remember it well you know it was, it was hard because i didn't like it at all i was working for Youth Services Center at the time, working with kids. I just come out of um, working for the prisons and all that kind of stuff. So I was seeing what I was seeing how our people was just it seemed like everybody was just going down, especially with this crack epidemic. It was just it was ugly. it was ugly, and my brother was a part of it, and, and and to me he was like a big part of it, you know, and it, it hurt it, and I wanted to do as much as I could to try to find him to just um to me it's like somebody need to is we got plenty of examples. But somebody need, make a plea. Plea, y'all. This, we got these examples now. Can we make a plea to where, okay, snitching going to be cool, y'all. We got to make it cool, y'all. I don't know. We got to make it cool. I don't care what the incident is. We need to hear the truth. The letter to the hood got to change. And the only ones can do it is we. And we're not doing it. What we're doing is, what we're doing is, is hiding. We're, we're hiding each other's faults. We hiding each other's letdowns, put downs. We hiding all that ugliness that we know exists. And and, and and the reason why we hiding it, because like like that one movie, you can't handle the truth. And everybody can't handle the truth. Some people hear the truth and it, it'll make them snap, like spontaneous combustion. That's real. People, everybody can't handle the truth. Like the movie Snap. Everybody's snapping now because they can't handle the truth. But we need this truth. And I don't know how you're going to sugarcoat it in any kind of way or water it down, but, you know, the truth is non-negotiable. Whether you can handle it or not, that's up to you. And this is my thing. I, I, I need the truth and the rights because this reggae thing with the Bob Marley movie coming out and all that, see, my thing is I want to make it clear. I'm down with the truth and the rights with it, not so much this dreadlock in the smoke. Because that's basically what they selling. I want to sell the truth and the rights. We need the truth and the rights, and we need to stop fussing and fighting. And love is what we need to be strictly dealing with. And we're not doing it. One God, one aim, one destiny. That's it. And how you going to get around that? One God for us all, one aim for us all, and one destiny. Betterment. But they don't teach that. And now with this Bob Marley mo- movie coming, you know what I mean? Bob Marley movies there is. Come on, y'all. They, what, what they're selling us is a show. And the show is da 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 and you're done. 
You're done. They don't, they don't want to see us coming together far as I'm far as I'm concerned. And why? Because if you look at what mostly coming across the mainstream, far as media, music, television, whatever, even with these these so-called podcasts where everybody want to tell on everybody and all that, it's mostly in a negative form, y'all. Where's the solutions? Where's the positive behind it? Okay, is this ugly, but how are we going to make this ugly positive? And it can be done. Just like people talk about the system. I don't want to hear about the system. Oh, Bible line is falling, so let it fall. Need to fall. It's going to fall anyway. But that system don't have to stop you. If you use it, it'll stop you. If you fall for it, it'll stop you. If you live by it, it'll stop you. But I don't believe the system has total control over nobody. You allow the system to have control over you. And that's where that's we're at. We're not loving and kind. We want to see people down. Some people laugh at somebody missing. You drown in there, throw you a straw. You're drowning. They'll throw you a straw. There's some people that would do it. Like I asked my mom, Mom, do, do you have to do anything for people not to like you? She's like, son, they would like you for no reason. What? I ain't did nothing to nobody. They don't even know me and they don't like me. Yeah, they can do that. And that's sad, the world that we live in there. So, you know, like I said, we very well known because they're going to say who the reggae guy, especially with me now. I'm the reggae man. If they say anything about Spencer, I got to who the reggae dude. That's what I'm known for. The reggae dude. You have a letter laying there. I got, a, I, I got a little poem I want to do. And then who is that from? Or is that you? I, or wrote, is that I wrote this poem. And then that's the letter to the hood. But I don't have to do this when I, if, unless you want me to do this. But I definitely want to do this. One. Then do it. And I wrote this. I was going to do an open mic night. And I was feeling my brother. And then I thought about the podcast. I would definitely do it for the podcast. One for the missing, y'all. Have you ever missed someone? Wow. They was there. If you did, they must have been very dear. One thing I know that's very clear, to miss someone takes no fear. What it will take is all the memories of what we did, like hide and go see is all hid. But that's okay. I'm learning how to live with it in a positive way. That's how important it is not to go astray. So to my Uncle Charles and my brother, Tony O, with the love of God, one day we shall know. P.S. To all of you who don't visit, you missing too. Love is the only thing to do. And that's from I, Sir Slay. Thank y'all very much. So again, we have no clue. None. Nothing from 2006. Nothing. And you reaching out to people saying, hey, it's time. It's time to speak up if you know something. Yes, please. Say something to someone. I mean, you can do it anonymous. Java has it set up that you could do it anonymous and you have mm-hmm. no clue who told it. But see, that's what's so cool about yeah. this because ain't no telling who, who this might reach. Right. And they they probably knew a Tony Alexander that was doing aluminum siding on houses that was from Leo Builders. That's what's so good about this. That's why Snyder football, the reggae, aluminum siding, because we, we grew up, a white guy taught us how to do it. And then we took it for ourselves. So he definitely got a construction background. Definitely a, 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 a wise person, very handy. He was loved football. He was he's he's a big football fan. Dallas Cowboys. He he was also um, he he had a lot of people around him that I know was very jealous of him. And I and and um, I think I th- I think that they um, just a matter of time. Spencer, I appreciate you taking the time. And I appreciate you having me too because you made a special appointment for this. Yeah. So yeah, I, hey, that's I really okay. appreciate that. That's quite all right. But I appreciate you taking the time, talking about your brother, and letting everybody know who he was. Yeah. Bringing back the memories, and there's no excuse for somebody now not to speak up. True. And there's no excuse for somebody right True. now to pretend they don't know him True. when they know him. Oh, they know him. 
Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure they do. <laughs> they, they, they know it. It sounds to me like you two would be pretty hard to forget. <laughs> yeah. We was out there. Yeah, that's right. Yes, we was. Right. But we was on a positive note. Right. You know, and like I said, back then, it wasn't a lot of people listening to no reggae back then. Right. And you two were probably the only two. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. it. Paved the way. Paved the yeah, way. That's okay. Folks, we always appreciate you listening to the Police Pod Talk. And once again, we always ask that you reach out and say something. Let somebody know. And we hope that this episode here will do it. Um, when it airs, I don't know, but I will let you guys know. Again, thank you very much for your time today. And I thank you also. All right. Folks, thanks for listening to Police Pod Talk, and we will catch you again next week. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.